introduction. Just an imitation. You are invited to introspection, internal inquiry, past the individual to the indivisible, inner innocence, intuitive intelligence, instantly inspiring, going inwardly to infinity, including all inclusively. Ramana's practice is what he advocated was very simple actually, always just to find out um, what is when we use the word I, when we use the phrase I, I am, really to discover what that is, because for the most part the I am is uh, taken to be just the body mind, the personality. When we speak, when we say I, often we're referring to our personality. But the personality is a severe distortion on what the pure I is, because I really just points to consciousness. And that's all that needs to happen, is that as we somehow check in, when the question, Who am I? is asked, it is to really check again whether the, the I that we are using and the context we are using it is um, is being used to refer to ourselves as a person rather than consciousness. The more we discover that almost always we are referring to I as person and personality, the more we become conscious of that, the more the habit will change. Just with being conscious that again I'm speaking as the mind, again I'm just speaking as the body. When am I ever relating of myself as consciousness? almost never. So just being conscious of that already begins to turn things around, and the movement of the attention turns towards the source again, and gradually it becomes increasingly natural to feel and speak and be as I consciousness, not I person. However, many people misunderstand the teaching and they talk about going deeply into some state, like going deep mm. into silence and so on. This is not the teaching, actually, of Ramana. It is not about going deep into silence, you see, because silence has no depth, actually. It, it just is. And when you realize who you actually are, you come into a natural silence, because it is silence. It has no depth, it has no measurement, it is just immeasurable silence. You know? So I've found and heard of people doing so many deep practices and deep, mm. and I said, when I listen, I said very often, but that's not what the, 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 he was teaching. That is only again to develop a kind of practice, as though it is so difficult to realize the self. It is mm. not difficult to realize the self. First of all, you are already the self. This is what I am showing. Then, what we can say is, it appears as though. Already, we, uh, although we are already the self, as the masters have said, then why is it that my feeling is I am not yet the self? 
this is this is a credible question, mm. see, and, and a doubt. Then the master tells you, well, the reason why you don't realize you're the self is because you keep identifying yourself as personality. Now, personality, you're able to see personality like you're looking at anything else. If I talk about my feelings, you know that these are transient, they come and go. You know that they're transient, they come and go. My feelings, your feelings, any feelings, they're coming and going. Also, if you talk about personality, it is also coming and going. You are not at all concerned about your personality when you are on your own. It is only when you meet another human being, we have this psychological tension, and it is as though this meeting reminds you to be a person. It does not necessarily do that, but our conditioning makes us feel that you know somehow we have to be something special, we have to be nice, we have to be open, we have to be something. And that psychological self-consciousness creates a kind of tension which amounts to us feeling that we don't really want to meet people anyway, if if that is the outcome. If you could meet anyone and still remain as yourself, even an angel or a lion, then you'd be totally happy, in fact. The fact is that we tend to feel that in encountering other beings, it affects the way that we are within ourselves and takes us away from ourselves. That is not a fundamental truth, it's just experience like that. Mm. Because so much investment is given to the sense of personality, mm. like that. and because in some way, consciously or unconsciously, we invest tremendous energy into preserving our personality, because we feel inside our minds that our personality is the fact, whereas for one who has realized the self, the personality is just a fiction, and that is the only change that needs to happen when we realize, recognize that we are the self and not the personality. It is not enough to be taught that, because the teaching still just stays in the head. It is just somehow you have to contemplate it, reflect on it, and with the guidance of a real Master, they are able to see when you are avoiding that, and when somehow your attention has really dropped inside mm -hmm. that recognition. But all the other practices, such as Trying to be more this or concentrating a lot or something, yeah. it is not needed. It's lovely that you're telling me this. Yeah, and uh, I say this because a lot of times uh, I feel that there's a lot of wasted practices, and it's almost as though the psychological mind or personality is excited to be do doing those practices because it keeps it alive. It's like you're doing the practice so that your mind stays alive as a practicer. You see. It's not that you should not practice, but at least practice the right thing. Yeah. Understand the master's teachings yeah. and practice the right thing. So many people they go and they sit in the cave for three hours, four hours, <laughs> and it feels beautiful. Yeah, that's the, the trick, though, isn't it? It's, it's being attached to the feeling. Cause it feels beautiful, but if you come <laughs> out, yeah, yeah, and you're out of your cave, and you feel again distracted. Then I don't see the point of that. Yeah, it's a waste to go into the cave is not to sit to enjoy an experience. To go into the cave is to completely recognize uh, what you are not. One should not just sit in the cave just being silent or or you know, like silence, which is the phenomenal silence, which is the silence that we try to do, is not gonna do anything. Yeah. It will give you a momentary 
joy and silence and stillness. But the understanding of what you are is much more profound, and it is not. Um, this is not temporary. It is the silence that is, or the silence that is created. Yeah. So, I I feel it's very important uh, to 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 clarify that because I see a lot of people they are attached mm-hmm. to walking around the mountain or so on. But you're not to be attached to walking around the mountain. If you're walking around the mountain with an open heart, with a heart that says yes to the truth, this is good. But to just walk around the mountain like it is something that the more you walk around it, the more merits you get. I don't think that is that is is, is the truth. Yeah, to sit in the cave for five hours doesn't make you better than the person who sits in the cave for fifteen minutes. What is important is that you find out what you are and you stay as what you are. Yeah. And even the sentence, the statement to stay as what you are, after a while, if you do, <laughs> you will not you will not need any effort to stay as what you are. Yeah. Because the truth doesn't have to stay as what it is. It it cannot be other than what it is. You know? I'd like to share something with you that happened at the weekend. Okay. So um something woke up and saw <laughs> that the there was it's really difficult for me to put it into words, but it felt like an addiction to being this. Yeah. So there was something behind, because it's very easy to rest. It's very easy to rest and just to watch, you know, the body, the bodily sensations and things coming and going. But there was something that woke up and saw that resting as well. And it's really sweet that you should be offering this right now because what was seen was kind of like um, exactly as you say. You know, it's like this. It's like this. It's cl- it's completely clear. Everything is totally clear. And then I felt this tendency to drop into the body and enjoy. And at the moment, you said effortless something saw that there had been there had still been some kind of enjoyment of the because the enjoyment is okay in itself as a fleeting experience but not as an attachment yeah because then it brings in a quality it brings in a conditioning or a condition that that is the thing I need to do, rather than yeah. what is. Yeah. You see? Yeah. And here is where some mistake I think has been made because there's a group of people, they call themselves neo Advaitists or something like that. And for a while there was some confusion because people would refer to me as a neo Advaitist until I found out what it was all about. And I said, I'm not a neo Advaitist. I'm not an Advaitist either. I'm not I don't know what I am. Just but I'm not a neo Advaitist. And I'll tell you, they have something and I wanted to clarify now. They have a point of view which is actually quite truthful up to a point. And I would like to take a moment just to talk about that. There is a, some misunderstanding between the 
Advaita Vedanta uh, practitioners and Neo Advaita, Advaita um, I would call it school of thought. I'm going to put it like school of thought because they are saying there's nothing to do, there's nothing to practice, mm. nothing about this. Okay. Actually, that is true when you realize the self, mm-hmm. but not before. And so, what is happening? Their mistake is that they are intellectually understanding this and thinking that their intellectual understanding amounts to the realization of it, and it is not. And I'm able to see them and point out and challenge them about this because I know when this person is still there. Yeah. You understand? Sure. Okay. Yeah. But what they are saying still brought a refreshing change to the whole traditional Advaita scene, because it was something more fresh. It's like now Mm -hmm. it's already like this and so on. Whereas in some entrenched Advaita traditional perspective, there are people who are devoted to the tradition of Advaita, and doing intense, deep, serious work, which is not required actually. But some work is required. Yeah. Some practice is necessary in order to authenticate the experience. It's not enough to just say there's nobody there, so there's no point in doing yeah. it. Yeah. You see? And this is where misunderstanding has been happening between these two areas of uh, philosophical thought, let's put it like that. Yeah. One is saying that you need to work at it, and work it takes time, and so on. The other one says it takes no time, and somewhere between both of them is the truth. Mm. The advice, the neo advaitists are saying, well, there's nobody there to practice. I said, well, there's nobody there to practice once the realization has occurred. But before the realization has occurred, you are still living as an entity, and that entity needs to be to be blown away, yeah. and some practice. Some looking, some conf- you know, confirming, some verification needs to happen, yeah. and they are denying that. Mm-hmm. But they really hurt themselves by denying that because then they don't actually. Yeah. It's like they swallow a capsule that itself doesn't break down. If you swallow a capsule that is biodegradable, then you can say, okay, it breaks down deeper down. But they are swallowing a capsule. A, a conceptual capsule that doesn't break down; it just remains as some st- closed stuff inside you. Yeah, that is the mistake that they are making. And the pure uh, Advaita Vedanta tends to, you know, take themselves too seriously, and is trying so hard, mm-hmm. trying so hard to to work hard and to work hard, and they miss the point also. Yeah, um, I would say. Amongst the neo Advaitists, I would liken they won't like what I'm going to say, but I would liken if you keep saying this does not exist, that does not exist, and so on, and you don't give people the chance to explore that for themselves, you have created a new belief system and effectively another dead religion. Because mm. unless people have really brought that into the cellularly into their own being. They have not actually grasped it. Yeah. They have only gro- grafted it into their mind, mind yeah. and they will keep on just producing parrots, Advaita parrots, basically, mm-hmm. and no one who actually is as as oh, yeah. detonated their ego. Yeah. And the, the Vedantists are still 
waiting, waiting, waiting to, to, to do something which itself cannot be done. Now, at the same time, from either of those paths, and I call Neo Advaita a path also, they really don't like that because they like this thing where there's no path, there's nobody here. But there are definitely somebodies. I've met them and there are definitely people in them. You know, they would like to walk around like they are empty suitcases, but they are not. They are not cases actually, because they are carrying this idea that they are free, but there is still somebody inside there who is not free. Yeah. And as in all religion, and this is maybe the joke of God, because I see it also in the expressions of Bhakti Yoga, Jnana Yoga, Karma Yoga. These are to suit the different practitioners mm -hmm. and the temperaments of the different people. But as you follow deeply the part of Jnana Yoga, of, of the philosophical temperament, if you follow it genuinely, it will bring you a little bit, you will develop some Bhakti Yoga on the way. You develop some Karma Yoga on the way. What it means? If you are a Jnana Yoga practitioner, meaning that you are the path of understanding, as you go deeply into understanding, your heart begins to open. You start to feel the, the energy of love. You also become less selfish, and so you will do actions in the world, but without looking for the fruits of them. And this is Karma Yoga. Mm. If you are a Bhakti Yoga, studying the path of devotion and surrender, if you go deep into the surrender, you will develop wisdom, mm. so you come into Jnana Yoga. And also your actions will be much less selfish, so you will come into Karma Yoga also. If you are a Karma Yogi, and you are practicing Karma Yogi, Yoga, as you go more deeply into that selfless activity, you come into a kind of wisdom, naturally. And where there is wisdom, you will come into love, naturally. So they all fulfil themselves. It is like you mm -hmm. cannot have a bird flying on one wing. Mm -hmm. It has to have both wings and a tail, basically. So, these any anyone who is genuine is going to find that their practices incorporate the others, or they they cross over, they meet, they join each other somehow. Yeah. And that is the thing that is missing these days. Everybody is belonging to one political party or another, mm. and yeah. spirituality cannot be a political party. It has to be an openness. It's the only area in human, in the human kingdom, that really brings you eventually in a total roundedness, so that you have to, in genuine discovery, your heart and your mind encompasses and embraces the whole universe. You cannot be a one-trick pony. You cannot be yeah, I'm only non-duality. <laughs> because non-duality takes its meaning from duality also. <laughs> and you cannot be just a dualist because then you are you're denying something. You cannot just be back to yoga. Because true back to yoga understand jnana yoga and feels jnana yoga and karma yoga. So all these things, you see, this is a challenge in life that God says if your heart is totally open, then your tree will be balanced. You cannot have a tree that is only growing in one direction only, and be beautiful. 
it has to be growing in all the directions, mm. because the sun travels around sufficiently to give balance to all things. This is what I would want to say to them. Mm. Tune yet inaudible. Without intention of income, come in. In just the coming in. Now, no more words, just in words.